0: This is a time for our corporate prayer this morning, so let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the new season of winter. We have so enjoyed the beauty of all the different colours of the leaves that have fallen from the trees during autumn. The beauty of your creation truly takes our breath away. Just as each year brings four different seasons, so we recognise our lives have seasons also. We pray for all our people who are experiencing new things in their lives. New jobs, new relationships, new challenges and new opportunities. Please guide and protect each person as they face their particular new season of life. For all our people who are facing health issues, we pray for healing and restoration. But we believe you are the God who heals our Father. Lord, I pray for a special blessing for Nadine Crane, who always holds a special place in our hearts. We pray for Bev also as she enters a new time of treatment. We pray for supernatural strength and endurance. We love her so much. Today we pray for the leadership team of our church. There is always so much to do and not always the time to do all that is needed. We pray for an extra abundance of strength for all of them. Give them wisdom, we pray, as to what to pursue and what to let go, both in their personal and church life. May you surround them with willing church members who can give them support and help them carry some of the load. Also, we pray that we will be ever mindful of the people in our communities who are so much in need of your love. Give us courage to share our faith. Give us opportunities to share our faith and to recognise those opportunities when they arise. We turn our minds to the people of Melbourne. We pray for wisdom for the state and federal leaders. Guide them, we ask, as they face the daunting task of keeping their people safe. We thank you for Scott Morrison. We thank you that he believes in you and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for his local church people who stand behind him in prayer and encouragement. We pray for the mental health of the people of Melbourne and all those who have been psychologically affected by this pandemic. We pray for all the business owners who are struggling financially, and we pray also for their workers who no longer have the benefit of JobKeeper payments. Help them to find a way to support themselves during this difficult time. May the difficulties we all face cause us to reach beyond ourselves to you, Lord. Our only hope is in you. We end today's prayer by thanking you for all you do for us. We thank you for our families, our homes, the food and clothes you provide so faithfully year in and year out. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith and life. We give you all the praise and glory for all you are and all you do in his name, in the mighty, powerful, matchless name of Jesus. There is no greater name.
1: Indeed. Amen. Isn't it wonderful when you can say, yes, I agree, which is what amen means to that. Wonderful. It's great to be with you this morning. And uh I'll extend my welcome if you're a visitor to our, our church. Um it's wonderful that you can come and, and be part of our church today. Um last week I was away uh, on a father and son's camp uh with two of my two of my boys that Scripture Union Run. It was a wonderful time to to bond with my boys. And um I have to admit, uh the good thing about live streaming is uh, I sort of snuck off a bit at church time and just, I'll just, just check how church is going. <laughs> and I could see uh, all your wonderful faces. But um, I just want to say how how blown away I was and how blessed I was that um, you know, our church is not built around a person or a personality, but by the uh, the gifts that God has given us. And to see the church uh, thrive and people uh, ministering to one another and using exercising their gifts was just a blessing to me as I was uh, away from the church. So, uh, just wanted to start like that. Uh, I'm going to be um, looking at a passage in Luke chapter 24. So, if you've got your Bibles or devices, you might want to open in preparation for that. But I'm going to get onto that a bit later on. Just wanted to start by giving a bit of reason why I'm going to be speaking on what I'm going to be speaking on this morning. Uh, Kerry rightly said our, our vision for this year is to be reaching out to our community and we've been uh, really p- sort of pushing that idea, that theme uh, this this year. Uh, we had a staff meeting last week and I was ready to kind of again... Uh, Get into that gear of, of what are we doing? How are we going to be reaching out? What are we, what are we doing as a, as a church community? And all these reports kept coming back to me. Oh, this person's struggling. Oh, this person's going through this at the moment. Uh, and, and Kerry was talking with some people in the kids ministry and, and this is happening for them. And, and I just kept getting this report, this report, this report. Man, there's some people going through some stuff. And we've got to be really sensitive to the fact that we're not just pushing forward, pushing forward. But as a church community, we've actually got to support one another. There's a two-pronged two uh, part of being a church is to, to exercise the gifts and to go out and to, to make a difference, but to also come together, pray for one another, support one another, lift one another up in our burdens and all the songs that we've been singing this morning were along those lines, and the, the prayers are along those lines. And so, I just wanted to spend some some time this morning speaking to people that may be going through some stuff. Uh, you might be um, there might be some job uh, stresses, some relationship stresses, uh, financial things that you are going through, some decisions in life that, that are hard. And um, you know, the the message this morning is. Really simple, <laughs> and it's something that we all know. But I think we just sometimes need to come back to basics, and that is Jesus walks beside us no matter what the terrain. What terrain are you walking in? Is, is your terrain uh, a hopelessness or disappointment? Uh, is it struggle and stress? Is it joy? Is it is it hopefulness? No matter where we are in our lives, we know the truth that Jesus he promises, is walking beside us. He is with us in the midst of it. And the first half of my message, I just want to actually tell a story. It's a bit of an epic story. It's a been a story I've been waiting to share at the right time. Um, and then we're going to uh, delve into that passage from Luke chapter 24. So Jesus is walking beside you. You know what? Sometimes I think when we talk about following jesus we get this this picture in our head that jesus is kind of out the front and he's leading the charge and we're straining stressing perspiring trying to catch up with him to to lead, to to follow him and and be be where he's at but i love the picture of jesus walking beside us side by side going through as as joe talked about going through the storm with us And who here likes to go for walks? Anyone likes to go for walks? A few hands. I'm sure there's more hands going up that weren't brave enough to put your hand up. Everyone loves to go for a walk, I'm sure. In fact, during COVID, uh, our family decided rather than being locked up all the time, we'd we'd purposely go out uh, on family walks together, something that we've we've really enjoyed and, and kept up doing. Who here, though, has been started out on a walk and it hasn't ended up? How you first thought it would end up? Anyone been in a scenario like that? Well, I want to tell you of a of a time in my life where that that happened for me, and where I learnt that Jesus walks with me no matter what the terrain. You see, when I was um, in uh, my younger years, I went to Scouts. Anyone in Scouts or enjoyed Scouts, and. Um, in the in the later part of Scouts, as as you're older as you're about to sort of head into Venturers, they, they often take you out on, a, on these massive camps, these massive hikes. And we went on a we had a week hike, but it was it was it was in this area. Anyone know where that is? <laughs> Wilpena we'll Pound in the Flinders Ranges. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful geological uh, site in the Flinders Ranges, uh, Wilpena we'll Pound, and um, I got to, with my friends from Scouts and a couple of the Scout leaders, i go on a, a five-day hike around Woolpena Pound. The little dot there is the Woolpena Pound um, campsite where you sort of first drive in. And we had this wonderful time. It was the middle of winter and we, we hiked through to, that's called Bunyaroo Gorge out there, um, where you can see that there's a bit of a river going through there so we could get some water and then the next day we. um has this got a pointer on it, probably. No. Um, the next day we went to that point, but we also sort of went into a bit of what's called Ediawi Gorge, which is that sort of dark bit in the the middle there. And then the next day, day three, we walked to this point here, and then we we travelled over the mountain into. Coinda Camp, the place there is called Dick's Knob, which is right next to Bridal Gap, which we thought was really funny as kids. Um, and, then, and then in uh, Coinda Camp, uh, there, there's a campsite there in the middle of the Pound. That was the, the, the fourth day. And then the, the, the last day out, we could either travel up St Mary's Peak, which is the highest point in Wilpena Pound, and head back, or we head out the easy way along the easy track. Back to this point. So that was a wonderful hike. We had a great time, great experience. And then my dad, he felt like it was a bit like I did with my sons, time to bond uh, with his son and, and do something. And my dad had never had any hiking experience at all. And he said, Why don't I go on a hike with my son and we can spend some time together and, you know, have some bonding time? But my dad didn't have the time that we had here, so we thought we'd just cut it short. So we'd start in the same spot, go to the same spot, but instead of going out there, we'd just say, look, the mountains are on either side. We'll just cut up the middle bit and then head to the to the campsite there on that next day and then then walk out on day three. That was the plan. So we travel up to Wilpena Pound. My dad... Didn't have hiking shoes. He just had tennis shoes on. It wasn't winter. It was summer, and um, we we go to the rangers' um, place and we say to them, "Look, we're going on a hike. You got to sign in and sort of say where you're going. We're going here. Then we're going to do this, and we're going to, going to do that." And the rangers like, "Yep, good on you." Um, and so we set off, and so we set off on the on the on the trip. That's me wearing a flannelette shirt, because that's what you do when you're hiking. You wear a flannelette shirt. It was middle of summer and it was 42 degrees every day. And things started to sort of not work out as well as we'd planned. This is Bunyaroo Gorge, that first point. And as you can see, there's no water flowing through the creek. Now, at this point, we should have sort of clicked that we're in the height of summer, Water's going to be hard to find, and it's not like it was in the middle of winter when I was there with scouts. Now, two things happened to me as we were going through this Bunyuri Gorge. Number one, on the way up in the car, we are listening to Billy Joel's Cold Spring Harbour because I just bought that on cassette. And uh, there was this song called Turn Around. Turn around, turn around. I'll sing for you a song. And this song was going around and around and around in my head, turn around, turn around. Now, the word says that Jesus is the good shepherd and his sheep hear his voice. Now, I was hearing the voice, but I probably wasn't responding to it because he was saying, turn around, turn around, and I was just singing the song. So I was constantly having this song going over and over and over and over in my head, turn around, turn around. The second phenomenon that happened was something that's strange and I can't really explain. It was as we were walking along, I could hear footprints. I could hear someone walking behind me. And I'd whiz around. I was like, who's there? And there's no one there. I thought, am I going crazy? Is this some sort of weird sort of supernatural thing going on? And then half an hour later, I'd be walking along, and I'd hear these footprints. I could hear, like, the rocks move as someone was walking behind me. And I'm like, there's someone. I turn around, there's no one there. I kind of didn't say anything to my dad because I didn't want him to think that I was a bit strange. (laughs) This constant thing of hearing these footprints behind me, walking, walking behind me. I turn around, there's no one there. We continue on in the journey and we get to the point of Ediawi Gorge. And my dad goes to get his camera out to take a photo. And he realizes that he left his camera back, like an hour or back, where we stopped for a snack. And it was a really good camera and he didn't want to lose it. So we went through his pack, it's not there. We unpacked everything. We unpacked my pack. My dad's his camera is gone. So he's like, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back and get it. So I was left there for a couple of hours while Dad went to go look for it. And it was here I experienced my first, what I believe my first miracle. I prayed, I said, This is my dad's camera, he loves it. God can you please help him find it? That was kind of my kid's prayer. And he comes back pretty dejected, pretty sad. And I couldn't find it. And we, he was pretty thirsty and we, we were pretty running low on water. So he opened up the top of his rucksack to get out some water and there sitting on top was his camera. Like right on top as we opened it up. It was just placed there. And I believe that that was a miracle that God God did for me to show me that He's real. Anyway, the story continues. <laughs> how long have we got? Um, we get to Edie. This is the other end of uh, Wapena Pound. Now, as you can see, there's a delta here, which is where all the water comes out of Wupina Pound when it rains, and it cuts its way through Edieowie Gorge. You can see how deep that gorge is. And I've got a, another picture there. Obviously, I didn't pay for this one. Um, and you can see how deep that ravine is that has been cut out over time with the water. Now, when I was here at Scouts, we walked in a little bit to, to get some water, and I remember there being a waterfall. And so we, we tra- tra- travelled through, and we are trying to get back through that gorge to the middle of the campsite which is the normal campsite. And there is no water at all. The The creek is dry. We're running short of water. And we're supposed to be in the middle of the pound that night. And it's getting late because Dad went to go look for his camera. We get to the point where the waterfall is. Now, this is a shot that we took that you can't really see very well. You can see lots of vertical cliffs. Now, I Googled the waterfall. So this one isn't our shot. But you can see the, the the terrain there. That's in winter, obviously, when the, the water is flowing. Now, what can you see either side of that waterfall? Sheer cliff. And our way out of that gorge was to follow the creek. So we had to get up the cliff. So it's which way do you choose? Do you go up the right way, do you go up the left way? And it was getting late, so we started climbing. We've got packs on our back. We've got no rope. Dad's got no climbing experience. And we get halfway up, and Dad says, I have to stop. My legs are like jelly. Have you ever been climbing? And all, all of your, your effort goes into your legs. And he's, he said, I, I can't go on. If, if I try, I'm sure I'm going to fall. So we decide to sleep on the side of the cliff. That night we find a a prickle bush that was sort of on a a bit of a ledge and we put our camp mats on the prickle bush and our tent on top of that and we tied ourselves to a rock and we slept there the night. And this was the next morning. What you can't see, unfortunately, in this shot is just beyond that prickle bush is kind of like a sheer drop uh, down the side of, of the cliff. Interesting thing happened. We used up the last of our water to boil up some dehydrated peas uh, that night for our meal. And rather than, than waste the water, we'll leave the water in the billy because that will be the water that we'll have for the next day's journey. So we, we set that aside. We got up in the morning and all the water was gone and it was full of bull ants. The bull ants had come and drunk it all in the night and then when we lifted up our tent and our sleeping gear, we realised that we were sleeping on a bull ant nest But they didn't bother us because they were just so interested in getting to the water, which was So if you're ever in that situation, that's what you do. (laughs) Spend the next day again climbing out, and it was a struggle, and my dad kept falling over. He's got huge blisters on his feet at this point because he's got sand shoes on. And um, I say to him, look, when you feel like you're falling over, just fall on your pack and let, let the pack take the weight rather than fall over on your arms and he just kept, kept falling over, kept falling over and we finally made it out. That was a, a shot coming out. You can see the, the type of terrain that we had to manoeuvre through to get out with big packs on and then that again is a shot. As we've come out of it and we've camped there, um, you can see the, the, the depth of that, that gorge that we had to, to climb through. Then the next day, we, we, we are now in, in dire situation. We had one can of peaches between us. That was it. And we stumble into the campsite uh, in the middle and there were a couple there that were camping and they said to us, for some reason we were supposed to go, we were supposed to you know leave this campsite yesterday but for some reason we felt like we should stay we don't know why it was and we stumble in and we meet these people who can give us food and they point us to a point where there's a stagnant pool of water that we boil and boil (laughs) and I wasn't a cup of tea drinker but I had about 20 cups of tea that night using the stagnant boiled water to rehydrate myself and these people gave us some food and then the next day, two days from when we were supposed to, we finally stumble out of there, back to the ranges. And my dad—there was no no cell phones back then, um, nothing like that. We were just all alone. And so, Dad races to the the phone, um, the pay phone, and rings my mum because we were supposed to not—we were supposed to be back. Dad was supposed to be back at work. And we're alive. It's okay. And, and he admittedly said on that, that phone call, he didn't think he was going to survive. He was sure he was going to perish. Um, and then we go to the rangers and we say, where were you? Like, and they said, Oh, you went where? <laughs> oh, what did you do that for? You can't go through there. It's like, well, we told you that that's what we were doing. And they didn't even come looking for us. So, Story ends. There's my dad at the end of it. Now, my dad, um, Trevor worked with my dad uh, in the lands department. He told me the story. He told you the story. And my dad uh, worked for the government, wore a suit to work, and when you wear a suit, you wear normal shoes, don't you? He couldn't wear his shoes for six months. He couldn't put on shoes because he rubbed off that much of his heel um, in the in the process of doing it. It's an amazing story, and it's a story that I, I, I tell because it really fits in with this theme of Jesus walking alongside us. Remember that when I, when I was in that gorge, I could hear footsteps. And, and looking back now, you know, I was young in my faith. I was not understanding, but I really, really understood this psalm. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, we were in trouble, <laughs> real trouble. You preserve my life. And I really believe that that's what what Jesus did for us in the midst of that, that he preserved our life. Now, you might not relate um, so much to that story, but in some way that you've been through strife, you've been through trouble, you've been through trauma, you've been through things in your life that are hard and, and difficult, that are painful, that are disappointing. And I want to just declare to you, like I knew that Jesus was walking with me in that hike, that Jesus walks with you uh, through your struggle and through your pain and through your disappointment. And there's heaps of uh, examples in the, in the scriptures of, of not Jesus, God not forsaking us and leaving us But um, I thought what I'd just do is just personally just flick through the, the Gospels. And I was just amazed at this concept that Jesus loves to be with us in the midst of it, in the midst of our strife. In fact, uh, He is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That Jesus didn't consider equality some, with God something to be grasped, but He lowered Himself. He 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 took on the form of a servant and He entered into our our humanity, into our muck, into our into our world, into our pain, in order to be with us in the midst of it. You know, there's a story of of the disciples in a storm in a boat, and where was Jesus? He was there with them on the boat in the midst of it. And when the disciples were by themselves, he walked on the water in order to be with them. When Lazarus um, was was dead, he wanted to be with that family. He wanted to to go there. Uh, Zacchaeus and, and Matthew were tax collectors, and every time that that Jesus um, met both of them what did they do went back to the home to have a meal because jesus wanted to be with them last week and not last week the week before and the week before i was talking about when jesus was in a house that it was full of people because jesus wanted to be amongst the people um the feeding of the five they they're in a desperate need they've got practical needs or the, the woman who's bleeding jesus didn't run away But he wanted to be there with them in the midst of it. Peter, in his disappointment, in his uh, feeling ashamed of of betraying Jesus, again, Jesus comes to be with Peter. The woman caught in adultery, Jesus sends away the crowd in order for him to be one-on-one with this woman. Thomas, who had his doubts, Jesus comes to Thomas to be with him in the midst of his doubts. Mary in the garden, in the resurrection, Jesus says, I am here. The Samaritans who were ostracised and, and not uh, you know, considered as good as the Jews, Jesus spent most of his time uh, in the area of Samaria with the Samaritans. Think of the woman at the well, middle of the day, hot, and he's there spending time with her. The lost sheep, Jesus goes out to find the lost sheep because he wants the lost sheep to be with him. Um, last week Mike was talking about the prodigal son. He's a father who longs to run and embrace his lost son or his older brother because he longs to be with them in the midst of what they're going through. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Why? Because he wants to be with them. Jesus washes his disciples' feet because he wants to be with them in the midst of what their humanity is, all the mess and all the muck. And even Judas The one that who would betray him. He spends his last supper with him. And after the resurrection, Jesus says, peace, here I am. Peace, 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 peace. Why? Because he wants to be with us. And if that's the case of Jesus in the New Testament, it's the same with you, it's the same with me. Whatever you're going through, whatever pain, whatever situation, whatever struggle, that Jesus is with you in the midst of it because he longs to walk beside you. He is your friend walking side by side. In fact, I came across a a blog that was was speaking about this, and the writer says, sometimes we can't see Jesus, but we can feel him. And that was certainly a situation that I had. I couldn't, couldn't see the person of Jesus, but I could certainly sense something. We can't see Jesus, but we can feel him. We can sense his presence. We can see his works in us and through us. Seeing isn't believing, but believing is seeing. I love that. Through our faith, we trust in Jesus and our belief that his word is our guidebook. We are able to sense him and see when he has stepped into our lives and made a way. Sometimes we feel alone, but sometimes after getting through the thick of the storm, we can look back and see what he has done. And isn't that the case for many of us? Sometimes it's only afterwards as we look back that we can really see the hand of Jesus at work uh, in those situations, there's a a story uh, in in Luke's gospel and in Mark's gospel of of a couple of disciples who were down and out. They were despondent. They were feeling like all hope was lost. To to fill you in and give you some context, that um, Jesus has has died. He's taken the sins upon. Himself, he's been buried, but then there's this report of him being being raised to life. but there's these two disciples who are leaving Jerusalem, a seven mile walk to Emmaus and they're feeling downcast. They'd put all of their hope in Jesus. they, they, they weren't one of the, the twelve disciples, but they the, the word says that they were disciples of Jesus. so they were following him, they were listening to him, they were trusting in Jesus. And then they witnessed this horrific thing where Jesus was put to death and he was buried in a tomb. They hadn't seen the resurrection. They'd heard about it, but they were feeling sad. They were feeling like all hope was lost. We'd we'd followed this Jesus and now he's dead. We'd put our hope in this Jesus as as our Messiah and now he's gone. And you just imagine these two disciples. Now, one is named and one is not named. It's probably likely that's because one was a woman. So there's this, it doesn't say, but it's most likely a man and a woman, maybe husband and wife, walking. And you imagine them slow, downhearted, head down, sad. What just happened? Our hope in this man has come to nothing. And they walk away. They walk away. They walk away. Have there ever been a point in your life where you've just wanted to walk away? I've gone through a time of that in my life. When after 13 years of ministry and after seeing um, wonderful things but it being a hard slog, Pretty much every Friday night, every Wednesday night, year after year after year, ministering, going out, doing stuff. It was, hard. It was a hard yard. It was a time where I just, oh, I just want to walk away. It's just too hard. I just want to exit, I want to find something somewhere else. That's what was happening with these two disciples. They were running away. They were walking away from where the action was. Jesus was actually risen and alive in Jerusalem. And the believers were starting to get a sense of excitement and joy. But these, these two had missed it and they, they were walking away. So Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they were walking along, they were talking about everything that happened. Man, what's going on? And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Isn't that a great picture? Jesus didn't just appear at the end at Emmaus or send them on their way, but he's he's there walking with them in the midst of their pain and their disappointment. There is Jesus walking with them. The word says God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness was written across their faces. Downcast, despondent, sad. And one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened there in the last few days. I mean, it was a. Big commotion. The whole town knew what was happening. What things, Jesus asked. Of course he knew. The things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I'm going to skip. Jesus then uh, explains the scriptures and says, you don't understand what happened to me had to happen. In order to save humanity from their sins, the, the Son of Man had to come and suffer And be put to death in order to be raised to life. But picking up the story at verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus, the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night. Stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Ah, it's dawned on us who he is and what had to happen. And within the hour they weren't running away, but they were back to the community. They were on their way back to Jerusalem and they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Now, I just want to draw out four things um, as we come to a close uh, this morning. I want to talk about opening our eyes, opening the door, opening the scriptures, and opening ourselves. I'm going to go through each one of these. First thing is open our eyes to the truth that Jesus is with you. You see, the men as they were walking along the road didn't recognise Jesus. It was only after the, the scriptures had been explained and Jesus broke bread that they, they had come to the full realisation, the full truth, that G, it was Jesus that was with them. I think sometimes, like me in my, my journey in turning around, I didn't recognise that, that Jesus was with me. It was only afterwards looking back. And if we are in these times of struggle, in these times of um, perhaps hopelessness or, or whatever we're going through, the first thing to do is to really open our eyes to the reality that Jesus said that he would walk beside us, that he would be with us in the midst of it no matter what the terrain, no matter what we're going through, whether it be a good time or a bad time, he promises that he will be with us and that we need to open our eyes to the reality and the truth that that is the case said in verse 15, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. He didn't sort of be in a chariot out front, didn't sort of shout it from the other side, come to me. No, he got alongside them and was walking with them shoulder to shoulder. In fact, um After this story, the the disciples head back to Jerusalem and they find the disciples. And just as they're explaining this story, the same thing happens. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Jesus longs to to come to us in the midst of what we're going through and offer offer us his peace. So the first thing to do is, is to open our eyes, to to lift our eyes up from from the thing that we're going through and realise, you know what, I I believe the truth of the scriptures, I believe the promises that Jesus is going to walk beside me no matter what the terrain, and open our eyes to the reality that that's the case. Second thing is to open the door. Now this is really important. When the disciples got to Emmaus... They were amazed at the way that Jesus opened up the scriptures to them and they wanted Jesus to speak more into into what they were going through and they invited him in for a meal. So often, and I'll put my hand up to this, when we're going through stuff, we like to go through it ourselves. We like to say, oh, I can fix this. But the truth of what we actually need to do is let jesus speak into the situation allow jesus to actually come and give insight into what we're going through and that's what these disciples did they said we're sad we've lost hope we're going through some stuff open the door jesus come in and speak to us Allow your presence to do something to us to transform us in the midst of this situation. That's precisely what Jesus did in the breaking of the bread, revealing himself to them. I'm I'm reminded of, um, so they begged him to stay the night with us, so he went home with them. I'm reminded of uh, the passage in, in Revelation where Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person, and they with me. It's a great promise to not close ourselves off to Jesus speaking into the things that we're going through, but to open the door and allow Jesus to actually come and speak life into the thing that we're going through. Thirdly, open the scriptures and let his truth and his promises encourage you. Didn't our hearts burn within us? as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. Now, it was in the explaining of the scriptures that they actually came to the realisation of who Jesus is. And as we go through stuff, allow the scriptures and the promises, the truths, the things that we hold dear, to actually keep us in line. Um, I talked about a time in my life where I wanted to walk away. Well, when I first started out in ministry, um, I'd finished Bible college and I was, I was in it for about three months and I'd wanted to give up. <laughs> and I remember taking my little Bible out to a park and sitting down on a park bench going, this is just too hard. What am I doing? And I did the thing that you shouldn't do, just open up the Scripture, open up the <laughs> Bible and do that. And I opened it up and these words I read, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that's been a verse that I've held on to, uh, in in my whole call to ministry. I know that God's not going to leave me or forsake me. I know that He's going to strengthen me and help me. I know that He's going to uphold me, uh, as I go through the hard times. As I opened up the scriptures, his words encouraged me and, and helped me through that time of wanting to give up. And finally, open yourself to the church community to pray and support you. Any trip in the area that Jesus grew up in at night was dangerous. You only travelled during the day. Now, I don't know if you'd noticed uh, in the story that we wrote they said because it was getting near dark, they invited Jesus in. They didn't want Jesus to be out, to be robbed on the road. But what happens when they finally realise who Jesus is? They've been walking away from the community, from the believers, from the church, and when they finally realise who Jesus is, they're back to Jerusalem. But do you know when they're back? They're back at night. They're willing to, to go... <laughs> go through the risk of being robbed and bashed on the road at night because they longed to be back with the people around them. And that's really an important thing. Within the hour they were back on their way to Jerusalem, they found the 11 disciples and the others that had gathered with them. We need each other. Not only does Jesus walk beside us in our, in our pain and our, in our frustrations, but we have been given the body to be part of. We've been given each other to support, to pray for, to, to, to bless, to, to speak life into. And this was um, what these disciples had. You know, I th- there's uh, a friend of mine who has just recently um, on, on Facebook written that he doesn't want to have anything to do with, with Christianity anymore. He's someone that I I grew up with and and had a lot to do with and it's it's been really, really hard to see. Um, But as as I reflect on it and as I've been talking with other people who know know this person, I see a big part of that happening is that there was a rebellion and a, a walking away from a community that could have supported him and helped him with his questions, with his troubles with his with his way of life. These disciples were, were running away from the community that they needed. And this friend of mine, his whole life has been running from a community that is really actually what he needs. It reminds me of the, the story of the, the coal. When you take a coal out of a fire and you put it away from the fire, it loses its heat. And it, it, it loses its glow, but then you put that coal back in the fire and again it, it, it finds its glow, it finds its its place, its warmth. And it's like that with our church community. I think we have an amazing opportunity to love one another, to pray for one another, to bless one another. Not just on Sundays, but during the week as we gather together in smaller groups to to, to share what we're going through, to share our struggles, to get alongside one another and to be part of the community that prays for and supports us. You know, God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. There was that person walking with them. He's with David as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He was walking with these hopeless disciples on the road. And he was walking with me in my story that I shared with you this morning. And he doesn't care what the terrain. Some of us may be embarrassed. Some of us may feel ashamed of what we're going through. And if we feel like if we share it, Jesus might think something funny of us. He doesn't care what terrain. He doesn't care if we're climbing up a cliff. Or if we're on the easy road, Jesus longs to be beside us, helping us. I'll finish with this last point to open yourself up to the church community because I think every week we have a wonderful opportunity to just be real with one another. And I often invite us to to share, maybe come down the front, to be prayed for. I want to do something different this morning as the music team come up to sing this last song and this song really speaks really well into this morning if you it might be something small it might be something big I want to give you permission this morning as we're singing to either come down the front and to have someone pray with you or do something different, which is you might want to just get up and walk across the aisle and just whisper in someone's ear. Just as we're playing, just as we're singing, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm really struggling in a relationship. Hey, I just really want to let you know that my work situation is really hard. I want to let you know that I'm struggling with what it means to, to parent my kids. I want to just quickly share with you my brother or sister in Christ that I'm going through some doubts right now. Would you be bold enough to just tap a friend on the shoulder, just as we sing? You don't have to come out the front if you don't want to. And for that person, if that person comes to you, if you just say, I stand with you, and I want to open your eyes to the fact that Jesus is with you in the midst of it. Maybe you might open a scripture to them. Maybe you want to open up yourself to them and say, hey, I've gone through something similar. Let me pray for you. And as a community, let us get alongside one another with the reality that He is here in the midst of us. His spirit is here. You know, when Jesus was praying for his disciples, he said, you know, I'm going back to the Father, but I'm going to send another and I'm going to send the comforter the Holy Spirit who is with us here and He longs to comfort you to get alongside you to walk with you no matter what the terrain so will you stand and I'm just going to pray and then head over to the music team to... Lord I just pray this morning that for those of us who are going through some sort of a walk where the terrain is hard and it might be something that we're thinking oh I can do this myself but we can't do it ourselves, we need you Lord Would you just come and open our eyes to the reality that you are here and that you long to get alongside each and every one of us Help us to open the door of our hearts to you, to be honest with you, to be real, to say, Lord, speak into this situation. Would you just send a word to us as we open the scriptures to one another and help us to have the boldness to tap someone on the shoulder and say, will you pray for me? I really need someone to pray for me. Would you do that right now? So, Lord, we just open ourselves to you right now in this space. Come and work amongst us. Be amongst us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name,
2: amen.
0: Sitting in the prayer room before the service this morning, there was this word that came to me for for somebody in the church, and it's an older person, and it, it's it's this that this person just keeps on trying to do things in their own strength. They love the Lord, but it's like they always worry about money in their latter days and how everything's just going to fit and all work together, and they just worry and worry and. God is calling you today to let it go. Just trust Him. He will work it out. He's a miracle-working God. And if you want to enjoy the latter days of your life, you must just give it to God and trust Him that, that He loves you so much. Stop struggling. Trust Him.
1: sharing that story is um, the reason my dad felt like he could make it through that difficult situation was that he had me alongside him saying we'll be alright we'll be alright probably my youthfulness (laughs) my naivety maybe I just had this attitude of we'll be alright we'll just walk up here, we'll be okay we'll be alright I think we need that from each other We need one another to get alongside one another and say, you'll be all right. You'll be okay. We're going to get through this together. And it might be that you didn't share that with someone during the song. Maybe as you have a coffee, you might want to just tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, look, can I have a chat with you? I'm going through something right now. Um, There's the prayer room up the back. If you want to just meet with some people just to get alongside you again to pray, feel free to do that.
2: prayer, Um, but I think what what Sam's been sharing about is so important for all of us, and there's um, when we're vulnerable with one another, that's when we can actually uh, be so much more real as a community as well, and that takes a lot of guts to do, to be honest about where we're at with one another, Um, but we can actually trust one another. We are all a beautiful group of people that know and love the Lord and know and love each other as well. And we're so blessed to be part of that. So encourage you, as Sam has done, to reach out, take that step, (laughs) even when it feels like it's a nerve-wracking thing to do, and know that the Lord actually desires us to be honest with Him, but also honest with one another. So let's pray. Lord, we ask that as we go into this week, you would open up our eyes, that we would open up Scripture you would open up doors and in all of that Lord I also pray that you'd be breaking down walls the things that we guard and protect ourselves with that you would be teaching us as Willie was just sharing to let go and to put that faith in you into action in our relationships in our families and we thank you that you are a good and faithful God that you promise to never leave us that you are the one that sustains us. We thank you for this morning. Pray that you would protect us and keep us safe this week. In Jesus' name, amen.